Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. God is uh, faithful to bring provision into our lives, and this is just part of God's goodness. Um, Truly, um, the Holy Spirit is zealous for us in ways that we cannot imagine. Let's go ahead and dismiss the children back to Sunday school. We thank God for their lives and for their development and their growth in the things of the Lord. And they continue to marvel us as they are communicating what they know and uh, see about God in their lives and in their families. And um, we've always made it a purposeful uh, act to inquire of our children what they see, what they perceive, and the things that concern God, and they'll surprise you with the word from the Lord. Um, this Wednesday, the Lord had a very powerful word for the church with regards to the measure and the score of character is what God is building in our lives. It's the weightiness of our Christian uh, testimony. Um, a lot of uh, wayward um, Christians are speaking and doing things that are out of uh, character and out of context with regards to the Word of God. I continue to, uh, it continues to be, to my surprise, the, the waywardness and how people drift from God. Uh, he gave us a very serious word. These words that come out here at the church on a midweek Bible study is for you to bring your Bible out and for you to Make sure that you're walking in the measure of what God is scoring uh, and not on what this world scores. Um, in Psalm 73, it, this, this, is, this could be a, a general principle in God's word, Psalm 73, verse 27, that those who distance themselves, those that are far from you, shall perish. Um, so it is to say that those that draw closer shall live. And that, that is our pursuit. Um, we're drawing closer to God. I want to hear his voice with more clarity. I want to under his, understand his ways uh, in a manner that is not uh, convoluted with information and with words. I want a life that uh, is consistent with what he's looking for. He says, you have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. That means God doesn't take that you have other interests in your life, other lovers, other, other places where you spend more time and more attention. Um, I, I used to work at the airport when I was a young man. Uh, I must have been 19 or 20 years old. And I was manning a retail store and these businessmen would come in there and they would buy gifts, not for their wives. And, and that was a big shocker for me as a young man. I was like, the guy would buy this real nice gift. And he says, don't put it on my credit card. My wife can't find out about it. And, and I was like, well, who would you want to adorn if not your wife? And that's what the Bible says, that many men are adorning the wrong uh, affection and they're set. And I said, but aren't you going to get something for your wife? And they would say, well, just go ahead and get me a lighter. So uh, a lighter would be to light cigarettes. 
and then they would get negligee for their lovers, um, these nice pajamas. And, and I was like, they're, they're on the wrong, sense, wrong side of reality. So the Lord also doesn't take a liking for you to be uh, spending your time and your resources on things other than him. He's a jealous God, and you would know that about him. Um, so verse 28, the psalmist says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. That's the conclusion he comes to. How is it that I can make sure that my relationship with God, who's the source of everything I have, every good and perfect gift comes from him, so why not exchange with him the prosperity that I would have that he causes? I have put my trust in the Lord that I might declare all your works. And in his declaration, he says these words in verse... um, 25, who do I have that is my source that's pouring out all this goodness in my life but you? He, he's, the, he's the wellspring of everything that is beneficial in our lives. Uh, I was always weary at a young age that the devil would somehow cause me to consider him and distancing myself from God as treasure and we know that that is going to be an issue when we find ourselves far from God and um, we find ourselves at the opposite side of our benefit and blessing there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you Um, this is a declaration that if I were to go anywhere this morning I would be right here where the Lord is and have an exchange with him of a purposeful uh, weight and degree. Um, There it is in in verse 26. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What does this mean? That when when things get down to down, um, there's nothing else upon the earth that's going to be able to address the issues of the heart and the frailty of the human existence. Um, and so allow God to be your strength, allow him to be your source. And, and what we talked about on Wednesday was, was these matters that we not be um, addressing things that this world addresses. Uh, I continue to be amazed at how people do not know how to live life and this, this, the way that God has set up the world and even our creation is a, a full life. John 10.10 10 continues to be a major verse in our lives that we're either being added to in an abundance of life, the expression of abundance, um, as, as people tell their story of their youth, um, I've heard people that grow up in the Lord and there's no regrets for those who in their youth dedicated their time to the Lord. Um, And then you see men who have chased, uh, I just heard it again yesterday, um, people like David Letterman and uh, he was famous back in the day for a late show that he had and he says that he wasted his entire life pursuing 
a, a priority with regards to the entertainment and being a celebrity, and he missed out on the major elements of life that God would have had him if he would have read the scriptures and aligned up his life with what God wants, um, he would have done what it says in Ecclesiastes 12.1, and this is for you to understand there's nothing out there to look for. Remember now, your creators, when you get old and have tried everything else. No, that's not what it says. It says in the days of your youth. In the days of your youth, and that's what the young people were hearing last night, line up your life with God's priorities and truth and principles early on so that when you reach your elderly years, uh, the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. If you don't set up your life the way the Bible says to set up your life, you do not enjoy the, the expressions of what this world has. Um, there cannot be a voice louder in your life than the voice of God. Um, whenever this world is calling you away from God, you understand that it's a temporal existence of temporal pleasure. But then it piles on and the difficult days come. Why are they difficult? Because you didn't lay down the proper foundations. Uh, at 55, um, having dedicated my youth to the Lord, and that priority led me to be a, a, a great attention of being a great husband to my wife and to my children. Now, at a fairly young age, I could look at and enjoy what is happening. Um, I have no regrets to having given my youth to the Lord early on. Um, as the days are coming, there's a foundation prepared. And I don't say I don't have any pleasure I have great harvest and take great pleasure in how God established my life and the seasons thereof. Um, super important that in the days that I was supposed to listen to my parents, I did. Now, I talk to a lot of people that say that for the first 40 years of their lives, they trashed everything their parents said, so the foundations of the blessings of God are not there. So God is talking to us about these things. I, I have no other interest to speak about things that um, concern what this world is speaking so loudly. Um, I, I would say, and I'm going to say it again, the Holy Spirit doesn't function in a place of busyness. If, if your life is very busy... I suggest you start canceling a lot of your busyness to be still because that's where the Holy Spirit has a relationship with God's people. When you are at rest, when you are still, um, that's why the devil continues to create a lot of anxiety and concern of, with a lot of matters. Um, I know that my friends don't stop for a second. They say, I don't have any time. But I know that none of their time is available to God, and they're definitely not having any fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Um, God's clock continues to move forward, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about God's time frame, and the formula 
This world is not talking about it, but we're going to talk about it this morning. I've titled this sermon Rescue 101 because it concerns activity that maybe the world has forgotten. In fact, the, the Bible does say that the reason why they conduct affairs in a very active mindset uh, described as eat and drink, marry and give into marry, there's a lot of activity in that regards. But the truth of the matter is God is in a search and rescue mode and he's had that since Genesis 6 where the Bible says the last days will be like the days of Noah. And so chapter 6 of Genesis has the whole description of what is happening on the face of the planet. Um, and I, I want you to tune into that um, and give it weight as you come into the house of the Lord. There in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to pray that God speaks to us in a manner that that is consistent with the atmosphere of urgency upon the earth. If, if all things are given to you in a rightful atmosphere and climate, you will move in the right direction. The only way you'll miss out moving in God's direction is if you're in deception, you're deceived, and um, you're not aware of what's taking place with regards to time and place. But here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I now am writing you a second letter. So Peter could be talking about a lot of things in his letters to the church, but he concerns to stir up. Look what he says. The purpose of the letter I write is to stir up a mind consistent with purity. And we're going to use the pathway of reminder. So these things are what stimulates God's people to move in the correct direction. You can pray, Lord, give me a pure mind that it's not purity, it's not convoluted with many issues. Give me a right way of thinking. Uh, make the mixture perfect. Stirring me means being moved in the right direction in a way of reminder, verse four, uh, 2 says, the, the prophets of old, uh, you remember their words spoken by holy men, these messengers of God, uh, and of their commandment towards us, the apostles that, that were with the Lord. They were all speaking the same thing. What were, what were the words that they were speaking? Verse 3, that in the last days mockers would come um, that is the atmosphere of the present day um, I was talking to my daughter this week as she was watching one of the sitcoms and and I was telling her your dad has never watched any of those sitcoms because all they do is stir up a way of thinking that is making fun of everything they don't take anything serious uh, therefore, their lives are not serious, and they don't have the serious pursuit of the priorities of God. Um, the word scoffer or mocker or those who make light uh, comedic, they're the comedians, the ones who make fun of everything, 
Um, they don't have one moment of seriousness. It, this was, would be the atmosphere and the element of the last days. You should know that. And what causes them to war, walk in a way making light of stuff is that they live according to their own lust. They, they don't know God's time frame. They don't know God's desires. They're work, walking in their own desire. Um, if you're around worldly people, they're talking about me, myself, and I, and the things that concern themselves. The Bible says they will be lovers of themselves. That's not our climate. That's not our pursuit. We, we have a whole different disposition. He says, I want to remind you what these men left us to remember and that your, your, your mind might be stirred up to remember what they said Last days will be filled with people following after human desires. And the contrast of why they're living like that is because, verse 4, they say, where is the promise of his coming? There, there's somehow the contrast of the Lord's coming that doesn't make you live aloof or light. Uh, it's a heavy concern where you stand in reference to the Lord's return. And they say, for since our fathers fell asleep, everything upon the planet continues as it was from the beginning. We haven't seen any change or evidence of having to change the way we think. Uh, everything remains the same. And this is the verse that I wanted to remind you, verse 5, for they willingly forget, willfully forget. That means in their thoughts, they uh, go out of their way to delete information. That this earth was created by the word of God and the earth standing out of the waters and in the water. So here... It says, it puts you in the narrative of creation. For whatever modern society tells you that we are technologically impressed with all expressions of things not biblical, because people say, the Bible's old and we don't have to listen to it. No, the Bible is what we need to listen to. It, it talks about God creating all things, and it talks about the beginning and how these things came to uh, be, and it talks about the end. And, and that concerns conversation we should be having. Um, it's sad that, that a lot of elderly moms are not talking these things to their children and grandchildren. It's sad that fathers, and, and I, I heard a couple of fathers this weekend talk to their sons things about... Uh, investment and planning and careers and and all these things which are good conversation to be had of temporal nature but there's conversation to be had that goes a little bit deeper and and this is what is talking about that those people in the sitcoms the celebrities that we we spend a lot of time listening to they do not live the lives we desire they, they don't have marriages. They don't, they don't walk in family. Um, I had to show 
my daughter, the, the, one of the greatest celebrities in Hollywood, his name is Tom Hanks, and, and I, I went on YouTube, and, and I, I, I looked up his son. His son, I think, is Chet Hanks. Um, totally nonsensical. If you hear his conversation, you wouldn't want your daughter to be married to that guy. Um, your daughter would not want to be married to that guy. Happens to be the highlight of the production of what this world has to offer at its greatest expression of celebrity, wealth, and popularity. He's done the last 20 major films in Hollywood, but yet he doesn't produce the, the sons and the children that our God calls us to produce in this age. Um, so he hasn't made God his priority, and he's an excellent uh, theatrics. He could do a lot of different um, characters in various movies, but in real life, he's missing the score, and he needs to be rescued, him and his household, if, if it could come to pass. Um, so there he continues to say, no doubt that these, these mockers forget. And we're there, we're there in uh, verse 5. They willfully forget that the heavens existed long ago by the word of God. Everything, this is the book that you should be putting your nose more into in this time than any other expression. Uh, and ask God to teach you what is your next step in regards to his time clock. Here it is, verse 6, um, through which the world at one time was destroyed by being flooded with water. Now, that, that's a major topic in the Bible, that, that already once there was a reckoning upon the planet where the world at the time was destroyed. Um, and, and I know that a lot of people are talking on many realms of politics, uh, the world, powers, currency, um, economics, what's happening, what's going to happen, are we running out of money, are we running out of food? But here in the time clock of the Word of God, it says that at that time the world which was, was destroyed by being flooded with water... Verse 7, but by, the, by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire. Being kept for the day of judgment, a day of destruction, but pertaining to ungodly men. That, that is the day where ungodly men meet the end of their ways. Um, Verse 8 says, nevertheless, do not let this fact escape you. Don't let it escape your notice, beloved, that the Lord with him one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is just one day. The Lord, right there, verse 9, does not delay as some would think he would. He's not slow about his promise, but as some, slow, as some show or count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing that any man should perish, but this is his plan, that all should come to repentance. 
that that's the game you know i i marvel about people like tom hanks and his children but my heart of hearts would like to see them come to jesus i would love to see them have an encounter with christ and thus uh, at one point or another there has to be a cross reference with someone who knows how to warn him of these things not in a manner of scandal but yes in a manner of seriousness that god continues to keep his time frame with the things that he has prepared he's not slow like some people think he's going to be forgetful but he's slow because he's patient he doesn't want and this describes what a lot of people want to misdescribe and make god hateful and arrogant and proud no he's actually meek and humble he's actually like christ when he came he showed us his demeanor he wept for a city that could not know the day of his visitation they were like sheep without a shepherd and that's what's going on in the time frame we're living right now i think last night uh caracol was sharing with george caracol was sharing with the living stones and he says you're either a sheep or you're a goat make sure that you are the one that is listening to the voice of your shepherd and following him don't don't be don't be going astray um, that's the attentiveness of those of us that are reading these letters a lot of people says well you guys are so antiquated you guys are so old-fashioned why are you talking about noah well because jesus says the last days will be like in noah's time and so we're attentive to know the climate and the atmosphere of those days because I don't want to find myself on the wrong side of that situation. However, and nonetheless, I remember when I was a youth pastor many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, 25, 28 years ago, I was, I was preaching a sermon that says, um, unfortunately, there's going to be some of you that will be on the wrong side of eternity because you're not listening to these matters. I want to be able to two things to be around people that talk about this number one and number two not talk in a way that would disparage and diminish my seriousness to the attention to these things I know that in the days of Noah Noah was building the ark together with his wife but his three children and their wives were able to make it that gives me a lot of encouragement the young, there are young people that will tune in to God's timetable and escape what is going to befall the earth. Um, a guy like Marilyn Manson grew up in a Christian school, and he said, they scared me so many times that Jesus was coming and he never came, so I just decided to forget the whole thing. That's, that's a wrong approach. He says they become mockers because they say you guys have been saying this for a long time and everything remains the same I, I don't want to become cynical and I don't want to be in the wrong conversation and I want to be away from the wrong company because I know that those that are living like if they need not rescue and the times are not urgent are going to be incredibly surprised he says but you my friends verse 14 you are looking forward to these things to us 
It's the news right now. The urgency that Christ is about to return and these things, even more than when I got saved 38 years ago, this is almost an everyday affair with regards to chips, with regards to one world religion, one world politics, everything moving in the direction like the Bible says. You're looking forward to these things so that you're diligently found in, by Christ in peace. How? Not entangled with spot and not being rattled with the accusations of blame where, where you are in the mud because you did not separate yourselves unto the Lord. He says there in verse 15, Consider the patience of our Lord, his delay. Every time he waits another day before he comes, he's just allowing more people to come to salvation, allowing time for them to be saved. Just like our brother Paul wrote by the wisdom given to him, he wrote about these things about the Lord's coming in many of his letters. We should make it uh, a, a pursuit to be ready for the time of rescue. He says some of these things, verse 16, are difficult to understand. Um, in all his epistles, speaking of them, things which are some hard to understand, which, listen to these two people, the untaught and the unstable, they twist to their own destruction. And they do so the rest of the Bible. So there's all manner of people that they don't know these things, so they're just guessing, and they don't know how to prepare for the time that is coming. Um, verse 17, Therefore, let me warn you, beloved, knowing these things before they take place, be on guard so that you are not carried away by the error of men who live without principle. So all, all, these, all these issues, um, if you jump off God's teaching wagon and instruction, then you're led away by the error of wicked men. They twist things to their own pursuit. But instead, verse 18, grow in maturity. Grow in God's grace. Grow in these things. Being God's people. Being who you are to the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever. So that, that sets up the premise for today's talk. Um, and, and you say, if all these things come to pass, then I'm moving in a direction not like I used to move. Paul talks about his testimony in Philippians 2, verse 3. He says, I've been born again. I'm sorry, 3.3. 3. I've been born again from above. We are the, those people who worship God in spirit, rejoicing in Christ Jesus. And because that's where we live, how many live there? Worshiping God and celebrating Jesus, right? That's, that's where we're at. He pulled us out of severe darkness and confusion and chaos. 
We, we might have been walking in the pleasures of this world, not knowing God's timetable. So there was no urgency. We didn't know that we would be objects of his rescue. But now that we do, we celebrate Christ and we have no confidence in the flesh. What's that mean? I know for a second, if I do not attend to these things, I will be back in the mix of worldly atmosphere and climate. I don't want that ever again to be my reality. In fact, I live for it not to be my children's reality. And I pray so hard that my grandchildren are in a godly atmosphere of salvation and worship. Um, we, we see this, I think it was last week, uh, some, some people brought their little children. They were two and three years old. These little crumb snatchers. Like this. They've never been in the house of God. They've never seen worship. They've never heard music. And they were back there like this. They were praising their God. They were like, finally, I found not Lego world. I found where my spirit thrives. Little, they don't know theology. They've never read the Bible. But they come into the presence of God and they're raising hands and they're praising God. And we want them and we stick them in the world to chase Mickey Mouse and, and Donald Duck and, and, and cartoons. No, they were created for this world where their spirit is able to worship their God. And they celebrate and praise this atmosphere in a manner that many adults still don't in their hardness. But here Paul is reminding them. He says, we are these people. That's not who we were, but we are now. We, we have a life of worship. And so it's not about the next toy or the next expression or experience, but, but it's this life of celebrating Christ. Having no confidence in the flesh. Don't want to go that way. There's nothing there for me. Uh, my, my sons... Um, both physical, biological, and spiritual, they tell me all the time, there's nothing this world has to offer me. There's nothing that they can offer me that, that I have not found in Christ with respect to joy and peace. I'm not aspiring to something to make it. I made it already. Verse 4, Paul is saying those of us that are uh, living in worship and in celebration um, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. What he's saying here is, I have all the qualifications to move in the direction this world is calling me. I, I could go and, and run for office. I could go and be a business owner. I could go and, and lead a city, lead a company. I can go and do things with earthly pursuit. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, if anybody thinks he can make it in this world to go and aspire after any direction. So I, he says, I more so. I'm more qualified. In other words, Paul was brilliant. Um, I, I tell my friends all over the world, they ask me, what, what is my pursuit? What is my priority? Why, why would church be where I spend 99% of my time? Because this is reality. 
This is what God created. And if I'm faithful in the little, when I transfer into the kingdom, the measure of character is there. I don't want, and I've seen it happen too many times, to be pursuing things. The Bible says when you pursue the things of this world, is like grasping for the wind. That, that was the experience of the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, I went after everything, riches, pleasure, and laughter. And I found out that there was nothing there. Doesn't matter how much the pursuit. So I need to put him into the historical evidence of men who lived in time past according to the flesh trying to pursue everything the flesh calls you to. And he finds out that it's, it's vanity and affliction of the spirit. It doesn't give you what it promises. So there, verse 5, Paul says, since I have all the qualifications to be the top contender in the affairs of this world. And he lists a couple of them according to his time frame, according to his election, circumcised the eighth day from the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. The word Hebrew means chosen. He was chosen amongst the chosen. Concerning the affairs of the law, a top studier of the things that pertain to men with regards to a Pharisee. Guy was brilliant, sat at the feet of the wisest men of his time. And he lists those things as, as things that would put him in the tradition, verse 6, as for seal, pursued the church. If you saw that I was serious about my qualifications in the flesh, I made God's agenda my enemy. I was contrary to it. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. The guy could sit there and say he was a good man. He'd never done any wrong to anyone. He had the earthly qualifications. But he says something about this. He says all these things that I considered gain were obstacles to finding the purpose for life. Verse, verse 8, no, I'm verse 7, there it is. But what things were gained to me, and I don't, you could put your, you could check off your checklist, things that you consider that are going to make you, we used to say the Mac Daddy, the, the hot poppy, um, call him puppy. These I've counted loss. The things that are my confidence the things, I don't, it doesn't matter. We, we've talked to high and lofty people and, and that would be the matter of you want to go make somebody insane, ask them what they're trying to achieve. What did one of my friends, he says, well, Joaquin, this was about five years ago, maybe even longer. He says, I've bought 35 commercial properties, 35 residential properties uh, this year. And I was like, let me speed you up. What if you bought a whole county? Then what? What does that represent? 
Where are you headed? What are you doing with your life? Where is there significance and purpose? Is this at the expense of the loss of your children? Your, your grandchildren know, don't know God because you have not made Christ a priority? You mean you've condemned your entire family to hell because you're playing Monopoly? You're playing fake money, fake rules, fake land? I know the youth this week, they were playing Monopoly. Some owned entire parcels and they were making people go out of business and come poor. They were not being charitable or godly. That's what we're doing? At what expense? So I have a responsibility to tell the church, we are in a search and rescue mission because there's people out there waiting for you to tell them about these things. That you would know about them, that they would be the attention to detail, that you would be saying God's not taking time because he's slow. God's taking time because he's patient. And he's waiting on you. He wants you not to be lost. And to have a conversation fit for such salvation, which is glorious. Paul is saying all these things that were gained to me. And I think that this is evidence of, of reality of Christ. There was a before and there's an after. There are the things that you consider super important that now, he says like this in verse 7, the former things which were on the positive column now i've transferred them to the negative column i've counted them as lost because of christ that means these are the things that are keeping me away from god's assignment there are things that are trapping in staring me hindering me to grow in these matters now you guys know that you can easily become a workaholic in miami you can work, and I used to say this at my law firm, I could have worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why? Because a lot of people have a lot of legal problems. If you're a medical doctor, you have enough to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, attending to people's health. If you are a businessman, you can make money. They asked one millionaire, he had about $500 million dollars, they said, sir, how much more do you need? And he said, one more. One more. But what for? He didn't even know what for. So, so here, those of us that are worshipers celebrating Christ, we know that there was a before because we didn't know these matters. And now the things which were gained to me, I count as loss. That doesn't make me stupid. It doesn't make me foolish. It makes me attend to priorities in greater magnitude. I don't want to be entangled in matters that are pulling me away from things that are most important in my life. And there he continues on to say he's made that switch over to the things that were gain are now a loss. Verse 8, but more than that, if you really want to know my secret, he says, yet indeed, more than that, I count all things as not profitable. I count all things loss. These things are putting me back behind the priority of the excellence of knowing Christ. And because I know Christ, 
I've decided to suffer the loss of all things and count them as garbage because I'm gaining more and more of Christ's agenda. I, I don't have chaos. You know, uh, I, I tell men all the time that are missing the mark, give me your calendar and let me see where you spend your time. And that, that will determine who your God is and who you render your worship, your time, your worth. Um, I said that I tell men all over the world that I have time, which is precious. I don't think there's anything more valuable than time that a man might have. A time reflects your life upon the earth. So if you're giving people time, you're giving them the highest expression of value. And then my talent are the things where I can use my time in the most effective manner. Um, you got to find out the talents God has put in your life and how you're using them during the time you have. And that causes there to be treasure. Uh, a lot of the wealth that I have purposed in my time and in my talent is in rescuing men. Uh, so you'll see me constantly pouring my time and my talents in the direction of men so they have clarity of purpose. And now they're, they're not running wild in the direction of other callings. Um, I think often of the regret that older men have, like David Letterman, uh, I think he has an interview now with with several other people like Howard Stern and they're lamenting the stupidity and the foolishness of their pursuit that was the lifetime of their career. The guy, uh, James Carey, who's a comedian, has gone crazy thinking about, and this is what he says, spent my whole life playing characters in movies and I was never who I am. So that's playing with him. It's playing with his sense of sanity. He's gone crazy. Thinking that he was here upon the earth. And he was celebrated for playing parts and roles. Being other people and other things in all these movies. And people like him for being who he's not. That, that is a twistedness in the devil's play for your life. Why? Because God has created you fabulously to fulfill a purpose that's real. And not to not play who you are or pretend to be somebody else. So these guys are going nuts. But that's what Paul is talking about. In the confidence of the flesh, I could have been more than most, but I consider all these things not only lost, but garbage. That I might obtain Christ. And verse 9, this is, this is what it is. And be found in him. That, that when everything is mixed and chose, I'd rather be who God created me to be, not trying to be someone else and pretend. I want to walk this faith walk with Christ out so that I could be who I'm supposed to be before God as I live unto him 
And so these words don't mean much to people that are lost in the fray of worldly affairs, number one, or even religious pursuits that are not consistent with being who God has called you to be. Um, The climate of the last days, as written in Matthew 24, um, is that it will be like in the times of Noah. So that, that gives for us Matthew 24, 36. By that day, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father alone. The Father has set this timetable out um, if you get busy in matters outside of these affairs, you can be lost in the shuffle. I'll tell you something. Your children soon will be in their adolescent age. Their hormones will be going off the roof in a wrong direction. If you do not have them live a truly spiritual life in Christian spiritual fellowship. Um, so I, I come from various expressions of churches in the past where the majority of the young people were lost between ages 16 and 25. They're not walking with the Lord no more. Um, they're walking just like the world. Their pursuits and principles are not godly nature. I, I tell you the story and I play not with it. Um, my next door neighbor, Fernando and Marisol, there's a couple and they moved into that house and we moved in and we had three boys and they had two boys. So five boys were playing all day long until we went to the hospital. Yvette had an appointment at the hospital and we brought back a baby girl. So Christina was born and we brought her home. And then I built a large fence and I never allowed those two boys to come back on my property. And Yvette's like, why? She's a little girl. Because she's a little girl. She's my little girl. And she's not going to be in fellowship with no knucklehead. So a lot of the youth here, they knew Christina. And they, she grew up with all these youth. And like around the age of 10. So with the worldly guys, she, she didn't have one moment. With the guys next door, they were non-Christians. They never came over to our house again to play with nobody. You stay over there and you play with your mom. There's no more crossing over into my house because there's a girl there named Christina and she's my girl and she's not going to have the effects of no knucklehead. So I, I built a big great wall. Then here at the church, she grew up with her brothers in the faith and at the age of 10, there was no more fellowship with them. So I said, say goodbye to all your brothers because you're going to prepare to be the wife of one. You're not going to be mixed in the pot. And, and, and that as a senior pastor and an elder minister of this church has been a huge challenge. But I do believe that, that she's extraordinary and that she has a purpose in life. Um, and her husband is going to love me to death because I never allowed her to be in somebody else's hand. Um, and so some of you parents that are, you, you already missed the date because your daughters are way over 10. Um, and I tell her to this day, there's no fellowship across 
gender lines um, because your husband's not going to appreciate that you had boyfriends or friends that were boys. You will enjoy your marriage, you and him together, and uh, there will be no, no challenges and no regrets as you champion life. And it's only for a season, for a great season and a great purpose. So in that training, um, we're seeing that, that this call to, to salvation has parameters of which the world does not celebrate. A lot of people in the world are like, well, you're so weird. Super weird, man. We're the weirdest that they come, but the happiest that be, you know, living as Christ would call us to live. Meanwhile, their daughters have been totally steamrolled emotionally and, and steamrolled with, with respect to not aspiring to godly men who take the things of God serious. Here, Matthew 24, 36, the hour knows no one but the Father. Verse 37, for the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. And I, I have to commend the expression that three boys with their wives are in this ark. It's not only Noah and his wife, and it's great that you're saved and your wife is saved, but what a travesty that your sons would be lost and that the women that they lead would be lost. Means you didn't have any sons with characters to lead their wives. We know what Lot's wife led, um, led him towards destruction. Instead of being part of the escape, remember Lot's wife. She was entangled in the affairs of Sodom and she could not leave. The, the angel had warned, Don't, no, no one turn back lest you turn into a pillar of salt. And something in her affections to this world led her to be displaced in that family. Uh, a huge loss. You can read it in Genesis 19. We don't have time this morning. I want to finish up here. Um, verse 37, Matthew 24, 37. The coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Everything in the climate serves that purpose. For in those days before the flood, right before the move of God that he had warned for 400 years, right before people were going about eating, drinking, marrying, and giving into marriage, um, one of the things that is added there is buying and selling until the day the Noah entered the ark. As he moves into the surroundings of salvation, this, this seems to me to be what we say in 2 Peter 3, verse 39. It says, and they did not know or understand. No, I'm sorry. Go back to Matthew 24, 39. It says, they did not know or understand until the flood came and took them all away. That's, that's a wrong time to understand these things. That's not the time to say, oh, what uh, the pastor was talking about actually ha is happening. Because you willfully forget that God has a time schedule for these things. They did not know until, they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So in the same manner will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
it's going to be the same way, the same atmosphere. It's not like people are going, hey, remember that the Lord is coming. No. Verse 40, it says, two men will be working in their priority. One will be taken, the other left behind. Two men will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left behind. So you see, there's like a 50-50 here of people that attend and people that don't attend. Verse 42, so be alert and strict attention. Be cautious. Put your faith in active mode and for you do not know the hour in which the Lord is coming. Watch therefore. Verse 43, but understand this. If the head of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would not have been, he would have been on alert and would not have allowed his house to be taken, broken into. Therefore, you must be ready also because the Son of Man is coming at the hour when you do not expect him. And then it goes on to explain that being properly ready, verse 46, blessed is the servant who's faithful when his master returns, finds him occupied in the affairs that he should be attentive to. Verse 48 says, but if the servant's heart is evil, a lot of times I tell people, man, you got a wicked heart. Forget about wicked tuna, it's wicked heart. You, my friend, have no affection for the things above, and you say, my master delays his coming. That's where you see people have wicked heart. I'm not saying like Paul, I'm going to get rid of those things that hinder me and count them as loss and rubbish. I'm going to give them greater attention and time in my life. You say my master is delaying in his coming. And then it says, verse 49 begins to take advantage of his fellow servants as employees and he begins to eat and to drink and be with those that that's the sign of missing out Christ's return where your affections are set on a temporal mindset this guy's getting drunk he's seeking the pleasure of the temporal things the master verse 50 will come on the day when he does not expect it and in an hour which he does not aware verse 51 and will cut him in two and put him with the hypocrites in a place where there's weeping and sorrowful grinding of teeth, distressed and angry. So this to be said, I want to touch upon Second Peter 2 because it tells us there these elements. Um, he says, hey, don't you know this already happened once before? 2 Peter 2.3, no, for 2.2, two, two. it says, many will follow sensuality, will follow their destructive ways. They will be pursuing, and, and you and I both know what that is, because of whom the way of truth has been blasphemed, people that are doing things because it feels good, People that go to churches because it feels good. People that have teachers because they won't teach sound doctrine. They don't tolerate it. They want to feel good. 
itchy ears. Verse 3, their desire of their covetous ways are being exploited with deceptive words. Listen to what it says here. The judgment has already happened long ago. Their destruction does not sleep, does not slumber, does not wait, does not delay. He says this has already happened on so many different situations. It's going to happen again. Where did it happen the first time? Verse 4. For God did not spare the angels who sinned. This is a picture of heaven when Lucifer rebelled and he, he was cast down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. This is like, hey guys, don't feel like God's not going to keep his timetable. Remember what happened to the angels when they turned with Lucifer. Verse 5, remember he did not spare the angels, but he did not spare the ancient world. When the flood came and saved Noah and the eight people, who are the eight people? Noah, his wife, his two, his three sons and their daughter and their wives, that's six, that's eight people. He saved, he was one of eight people. He was a preacher of righteousness as he was talking about this thing taking place, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly. He would talk about it, it came to pass. The, the angels were not spared, the ancient world was not spared. And then the, the modern world, not in Noah's time, but in Lot's time, verse 6, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were turned to ashes. He condemned them to extinction. What's that mean? They no longer exist. Making them an example of those things that would take place afterwards for those who would be ungodly. But in the midst of that city, verse 7, he rescued Lot who was greatly distressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. How many are super bothered by the filthy conduct of wicked men in our generation? What they do and how they do that is disgusting. Disgusting. I like that word. Learn that word. That's disgusting. That's wicked. That's, that's crazy. It's not normal. It's not to be celebrated or tolerated. It's disgusting vulgar the conduct of filthy men um, that have no if another old Cuban man marries a young girl I'm going to throw up because it's not their season they're not to be marrying young girls they should have daughters that they're giving away in marriage they should to, to gentlemen um, they should have granddaughters that they kept the honor of the family name. Not debauchery, not, not where we came from. So we, like Lot, have seen the filthy conduct of the wicked, and we call them out. Um, we continue on, verse 8. For this righteous man lived amongst them day by day. He was tormented. His righteous soul over their lawless deeds, as he saw and heard, he was seeing and hearing their twistedness. So God was able to deliver that man. Verse 9. Why? Read this with me. For the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the ungodly under punishment for the day of judgment. He knows how to pull out the righteous and then leave the wicked 
in that barbecue to be tormented and judged. Um, how does he describe these men? Verse 10, those who indulge walk after the flesh in the lust of things unclean. They despise authority. They don't value anybody to be able to call them to the attention, to the right way to correct, to instruct. They are presumptuous. They are self-willed. They are afraid. They are not afraid to disrespect the dignitaries that exist. Continue on to say, verse 12, these are unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born to be captured and destroyed, reviling things they do not understand, will also perish in their own corruption, suffering the wrong as wages of doing wrong. They count it a delight and pleasure to revel in a lifestyle that's not consistent with Christ. They are stains and blemishes. They are deception, their own deception while they feast with you. They want to mix and mingle with us. Verse 14, their eyes are full of adultery, constantly looking for sin, enticing and luring away unstable souls, having hearts trained toward greed, children of cursing. This is just all a manner of an expression of twistedness. That's not us. We don't live there. We don't desire that atmosphere and that climate. We are headed in the opposite direction. Let's stand this morning and ask God to give you uh, some visions and dreams of you being on the right side of eternity. That you being the people of God, you being those who love Christ, who worship, who love authority who defend righteousness and are strong in his grace. Um, I love seeing the young people here. Uh, I love seeing the old people. Mita, this morning, bless my socks off. Mita, ven acá bien rapito. Bring her up here. This is one of the founders of our church, and she has... She has faithfully walked with her Christ. And uh, she was a member of our youth group, honorary member of the youth group when I was a youth pastor. And her and her beloved husband, Dr. Blass, she brought to the Lord because of her faithfulness and her perseverance in the things of God. And, and she was telling me this morning that she also um, saw how the Lord brought him to be faithfully uh, taken to heaven. And, uh, and she continues to say, Pastor, I'm faithful. Every Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, she's waiting for Maggie to pick her up in the front curb of her house. Um, and she's just a righteous woman with a fear of God. And she's been an example since day one. And so these are the ones that are heroes and champions of the faith. These are the ones. And a lot of people are, are bouncing around, shifting and coming and going. Uh, as I read James chapter 5, verse 19, it says that some have stranded 
Brethren, if any one of you wanders from the truth, how many do we know that, that no longer are living as if Christ is coming? Yeah, coming back now. And these people, they wander from the truth. And he says, someone needs to turn them back. And I've always said in this church that if you stay close to women like this, you're sure to go with the Lord. Because they're, they're going first class, amen? So Father, thank you for this word this morning that we were in the house of God and you gave us a reminder that you created the heavens and the earth from times old. There has been visitations even in eternity where the angels were not spared who rebelled and became wicked. In the ancient land of the times of Noah, the unbelievers stayed and were not saved. They didn't get on the ark. They did not attend to the call of God. In the time of Lot, the cities were destroyed and only Lot was rescued. His wife perished. Father, and you say that the times of Jesus, the last days, will be like in the days of Noah. So prepare us, Lord, to be ready that we be on the right side of eternity, that we celebrate you. Thank you for Mita Prieto's life. From day one to this day, you have been her faithful God. She's been able to be a reference and a testimony to her family. Her life is the greatest sermon anyone will ever hear. And we pray that you continue to bless her with peace and joy and faithfulness to her last breath, Lord. Be glorified and allow us to be found ready at your coming, Lord. Allow us to consider all things lost and rubbish that we might gain Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. There is no men's group tomorrow night. We'll see you on Wednesday night Bible study. Wednesday night Bible study. God bless you.